Welcome to the Delve, an only considered podcast where we talk about sci-fi films. I'm one of your hosts, Vincenzo, and with me as always is DM. Hi. Today we will be discussing a 1988 American... This, that's not dystopian. It's not dystopian. It's definitely well, science fiction. It's science fiction. Well, yeah, everything, we everything is on the list of science fiction. I, I've heard it called a horror film, although I disagree. I wouldn't call it horror. I wouldn't call it... It's... Not it has action moments. It has dystopian moments. Yeah. Uh, in any case, it's John Carpenter's They Live. It's our third John Carpenter film on the Delve, and our fourth total of the podcast. This cements the idea that I love John Carpenter. <laughs> if it wasn't already cemented, I feel like that's just you know this was like okay, my ankles are in cement. Go up to the knees now. Like I love John Carpenter. <laughs> yeah, I I cannot believe I had never seen this movie before. All right, so, real quick, we have Rowdy Roddy Piper. May he rest in peace. May he rest in peace. As John Nada. Nada. As in nothing. He's not named in the film. John Nada, who is kind of a drifter who finds his way into, like, a homeless camp and into the concept that apparently aliens have already taken us over. And we are basically their subservient slave race. And really, you should just watch them. That's enough of a plot. That's that's the plot. That's really the plot of the film, right? There is no. There's no deeper plot than that. And that's all. But that's all the film needs to do. What it's doing. It's so fantastic, and it had me from like the first before you found out any of that. Just the first scenes were like Rowdy, dude. Roddy Piper is a fantastic actor. He's a really good actor. <laughs> I didn't. You know, if we talk about wrestling. More often than not recently. It reminds me of that South Park episode where they they wrestle and they use wrestling interchangeably with acting. Mm-hmm. In fact, not interchanging. When they say he's a good wrestler, they mean he's a good actor. And I'm like, no, Roddy Piper is a great wrestler. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a fan. He, you know, he carries a lot of this. He carries his acting really well. He does. He is... Within the first third of the film, he's basically, until the hat drops and you find out they're aliens, he barely speaks. Like, just here and there, he's a quiet man, and he carries all of that acting just in his bearing. Yeah, he just, he kind of, yeah, he, he's kind of investigating, looking around the world. And then he gets this pair of sunglasses, and the switch fucking flips. And all of a sudden, he's just like... He is, a, he is a different character entirely. And I had no idea how many, like, weird phrases or ideas, like, came out of this movie that we just used. What, like, I'm here to shoot bubblegum and, and kick ass? Right, and and a lot of bubblegum. Yeah, he, he wrote that line. Roddy Harper wrote that line. Like, he gave a list of lines of John Carpenter. It's like, I love that line. And he put it into the scripts. How did... How did I not know that this is where that came from? I, I, I think I knew this is where it came from, but I wasn't, like... 100% on it. And then you have, hands down, the best prolonged street fight there ever can be between Roddy Piper and, and Keith, Keith David, David, who just beat the shit out of each other to the point where you're pretty sure that you have to suspend disbelief because they, one or both, should be in the hospital. Well, you know, they, they are definitely, like, that is a wrestling fight. Like, the way they're moving the pins, the whole thing. Absolutely. But at the same time, like, it's a wrestling fight in that you're supposed to believe that wrestlers are big hurt. Yes. 
and you do believe it. Like you, you do. Cause they're making like they, the the Blu-ray for this. If you if you, if one someone's picked this up, and it's only about twenty for the Blu-ray, mm-hmm. has some really good special features on the making of it, and interviews. There's a commentary with John Carpenter and Roddy Piper, and it's and it's Shout Factory, so you know they got the best materials. Right. Okay. Fun fact, by the way, as I pointed out to Vincenzo before we start recording. There is a South Park episode in the fifth season, that's like really early, I think second episode, called Cripple Fight, that pretty much completely choreographs this fight between t- the characters Timmy and Jimmy. It, it's like shot for shot. It's amazing. <laughs> it is. Like, I feel like that's been South Park. I still like could like watch South Park episodes. It's right. not like, we're going to pillory about this this thing in libertarian politics, libertarian politics, libertarian politics. Right. And I had, what's really weird to me is I watched them in reverse order. Like, I had seen Cripple Fight when it came out. And now I'm seeing this, and I'm like, oh, yep, that's that's what that is. <laughs> and it's just, like, as soon as I saw it going, I was like, nope, that's just shot for shot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was, that was good. It was good. But I, I this, there's so many brilliant things about this movie. We could talk about this one for two hours if we... Absolutely. And we, we can't. But we we, we, could. we could if we if we if we wanted to. But let's actually start to get into All right. the themes of what's going on in this film because that's the important part. And the fact that this film was made in '88, but if you had told me it was made in 2015, I I would believe the themes are present, but I wouldn't believe it actually got made in 2015. Right. Because there's no way that this film would hit money mm-hmm. any anymore. So it's it's perfect where it was. It would be perfect today too. It's perfect where it was because. It's in 88. We're in the the midst of this huge level of consumerism in the American public. This dissatisfaction. The, we start really seeing money take power in our country. This is like this money as God thing. and sort of, That's explicit in the film. It's completely explicit in the film. Like the, film is, the film makes no bones about what it's saying. Um, Alright, so before we continue, if we haven't spoiled enough already, I don't really want to talk about this movie without at least talking about some of the things that may spoil it for you. So you can feel free to push pause now, go watch the movie, and then come back. Yeah, because this this film, it's, it's it's both hard and easy to spoil, I think, where, like, it's not a huge reveal, and it's very obvious what it's doing. But I want, like, so for one, I'm going to just say right off the bat to help out. You should watch this movie. Yes. If you have not seen Short, this movie, you have to watch it. Short this review, movie. high recommendation. And Turn this off. Right. Go and go to your TV, rent the movie. It's up two ninety nine on any kind of streaming site. Go watch it. Come back, we'll still be here. Yes. So now on to the thing. Poignant moment, like he puts on the sunglasses and starts seeing it, and it's such a star I, I love how John Carpenter captured this. Like, it's such a stark idea, like, all of a sudden, all the busyness of the city is gone. And you just see these broad messages on the billboards that used to have things. Billboards, Anything that has print on it. Even some of the graffiti. Yeah. Everything has changed. Mm -hmm. And it's just amazing, because it's all, it's filled with these terms that you expect to see in things like 1984, like, obey, and mate, and procreate, and... Yeah, that looks like exactly what you imagine 1984. Yes, it, but it, but it's all, but it's right. just a, you know, Arbor was painted over this. Sure, and all, all of the magazines have these messages on them, and then when you flip them open, they have it's just page after page of these different commands. It's just like, you know, don't submit. think, watch TV, uh, and 
I think one of the most blatant beat you over the head with it messages is when, like, just very briefly you see someone with cash and it's just, this is your god. Yeah. That's all the cash Yeah, says. this film makes no bones out of message. And I'm glad it, I'm glad that it has no, like, there's no... No. Veneer on this film or what it's saying. No, He's, this 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 is very clear. Who, who wrote this? I think John Carpenter. Produced screenplay by John Carpenter. There we go. Yeah, yeah. John Carpenter is like my hero. This, I mean, <laughs> I they, I watched a comment the other country, which is like he was like this was a response to Reaganism, mm-hmm. and I and I like I thought up with that. I don't think the eighties have ended yet. No, and that mentality has ended yet. No, not at all. And that was probably that was probably back in twenty twelve ish. And it was really it's really interesting because. John Nada is is a Republican. Like he's a very conservative individual. He works hard. He believes that his chance will come, and he just has to put in hard work. Yeah, he, and that's how that's how it seemed like like most conservatives like just view. He follows, he, he follows that old that, that mantra of yes, if I work hard and keep going, I'll succeed. And that shattering that's just shattered in him when he like like when the veil is removed from his eyes, and he realizes how deeply fucked the planet Earth is. And that, you know, people who succeed are kind of just randomly picked by the overlords. Right. Or the people who would rat out the rest of them, mm-hmm. or serve them, who would sell out the human race are the people who succeed. Yeah. Most, most driven, like, they drive that home with, you know, like, the one homeless dude they meet who, you know, at the end of the movie is just like, aha! I sold out, and now I'm rich. Yeah. That huge transformation. Um, just a quick note. Okay. There was never a point at which you thought the female lead was anything remotely but horrible, right? I was like, maybe they would surprise me, but it's like, I don't trust her. Like, I've seen her in a, a bunch of different things, and I'm pretty sure she's never, ever played, like, a heroine. <laughs> <laughs> he, he even said that the reason like, he cast her was... She was a cult leader in some other film, like a few years earlier. Mm-hmm. But she is—I—I I, I mean, I want to pull the actress's name. But she has these really clear. Is it Meg Foster? It's Meg Foster. These really, really light blue eyes. She did at least one or two episodes of um, Quantum Leap. Okay. And she's not entirely a villain in that episode, but she's not. She's not not scary. But she has this very steely look to her. She does. She has. Uh, she 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 has a. A look that you, I, I've just never seen in another actress. She has cold, clear eyes. Yes. And, that, and something about that just makes it unnerving to look at her a little bit. But there was just and, no, they, and they play it up in films, obviously. Absolutely. But there was just never a point at which I'm just like, oh, yeah, they're going to they're gonna fall in love and it's going to be A-OK. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, this whole thing is essentially it's the 1% are out to fuck you. That's the, you know, mm-hmm. message of the film. And that, you know, if it was made today, that would be... Literally say 1%, but most of the stuff we hear today in the political rhetoric mm-hmm. is said in this film. Sure. Die middle, you know, phrase die middle class is used. All mm-hmm. of these ideas that we're seeing in politics and on both sides. I think what I really loved about it, it, it would have lost this, I think. If it ended any other way than it did, it would have lost some of its poignance. But John Nada sacrifices himself for the greater good of the planet. Mm-hmm. Like, he puts his money where his mouth is, and he is the opposite of all these sellouts. He knows he's going to die, and he says, fuck it, I still... <laughs> and he, he, yeah, he, he flicks him off and says, I still win, we still win. 
It's and it's amazing. The ending is great because yeah, yeah, you you, you it hurts because John Otto's dead. Right, you, you do care about him. But in the meantime, like he has died to give Earth a chance to save so it's itself. Just one last fighting chance where like the veil is lifted. Right, you know there's aliens here. You make the call on what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like if it ended any other way, I don't know how I'd feel about it. But ending in this way gives that. It gives it a poignance where it's just like maybe I'm against like maybe John Carpenter is doing this in response to Reaganism, but he's not looking to put some other ideal ahead. He's no. just looking to put put your put your people first. I mean, he, he's kind of saying, guys, look, it's here. We have a problem, and let's. And he's trying to you know be that man left. Right. He doesn't want to. It's it's. I don't. The message I'm getting isn't be a liberal or do this or do that. It's. We should be looking out for each other. That we and that you know, don't trust authority. Right. And those are the two messages of, you know, let's not backstab and fight and you know kick the guy behind you. Right. And and don't just trust authority. Don't take authority at its word. I have no. I have no surprise that it has a cult following. But I do not believe this is a cult classic in the strongest sense, because while it it quickly decreased mm-hmm. in attendance, it started out humongously strong. Like it did uh, almost five million its opening weekend in 1988. The entire budget for the film was, was like three million. Three million estimated, and it's... Well, this is after John Carpenter left the Hollywood system. Sure. Because he kind of said, fuck it, and was it was done with that after a while. And its box office was, according to Wikipedia, 13 million. So, yeah, it, it succeeded, but I think it's, it's a slow... It was a slow burn to really... I'm, to I'm, earn its position. I'm very at cross points on this, because on one side, I don't really believe that it fits the strictest definition of a cult following, but at the same time, I'm fairly well-watched in movies, especially mm-hmm. after the last however many years of doing this. And I had never seen it before. I, again, I don't... I don't know. I, the cult phrase called classic kind of always a weird... It's a self-described. Your fans give it that title to... No one else likes the things I don't like. Sort of elevate it a little bit, but right. it's... It's a John Carpenter film. Really, like... He doesn't... You know, most of his movies have a position in, you know... Film history. Absolutely. There's a reason why this is the third film of his we've talked about. No, John Carpenter's freaking fantastic. He's my hero. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've heard it here. I mean, I just keep... Like, every time we watch a new movie of his, I'm just like, this is awesome. We, we, what we need to do, we need to do a podcast of the Apocalypse trilogy of his. Uh, Escape from New York. The, the Thing... Prince of Darkness and In the Mouth of Madness. Oh, okay. That's that's sort of the, the so-called apocalypse trilogy of his. I've seen most of In the Mouth of Madness. I have. Um, I have didn't I we watch the thing for this? No, we've, we've, it's on the list for for Jess, but I I watched it within the scope of this podcast. You might have just thought it was for the. You podcast. might have just watched it because it's such Weird. a fucking good movie. No, I totally do that. There's a few that like I kind of want to dare myself to like. There's a few on here like where I'm from just LA. like. Like Escape from L.A., um, Village of the Damned. Um, like the 90s stuff. 
Yeah, there's stuff where I'm just like, come on, you won't like this. There's no way you're going to like this. It might not be good, but I want to see it because it is John Carpenter. Right. Uh, I hear, like, Prince of Darkness terrifies me, the idea that we might watch it. Just something about, like, I remember vaguely seeing, I don't know. That poster is fucking creepy. Clips or something? I just, I don't know what even what it's about. Is it about, is it vampires? I thought it was like demons. But I am definitely uh, Donald Pleasance in it. You know, if 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 John Carpenter didn't win me over just by being John Carpenter, Donald Pleasance. Well, I mean, in again, it. there's a reason why I reviewed four films. You know, four films on the podcast, three for the Dell. And there, there are a few like um, members of Invisible Man with Chevy Chase, right? I don't think that's going to be that great. I mean, we didn't like we we both didn't like Dark Star. No, we, but we, we both didn't. were like. But we acknowledge. We Dark see Star. where we saw where that was going. Sure. With his with his career and a lot of the people involved in that film. The Fog. I want to see the original. Okay. Like I saw the remake, but but it had um, Superman in it, so I want to see the original. Yeah, he, he, he. I feel like people like I would love to see him make more movies, mm-hmm. but I mean, at this point, his films are getting remade. Right. Which is such a weird. Like, I don't know how what it was what it was be like in your own career, to like to see your own films getting remade fairly consistently. Sure, and what is the is the last movie he made? Was the the war the war and before that it was Ghosts of Mars. That's a nine year gap. Yeah, and it's been five years since Ghost. I think he, she's essentially retired. Like so, I don't. But yeah, I think once you start seeing your your own films remade, it's at least three now. That like it's it's it must be a weird feeling for him. I would, I, I really, I, I am quite confident, honestly, that in one of our um, Danger Zone episodes, we're going to end up doing Escape from New York. We could just do Escape from New York. <laughs> yeah, it fits in. It does. It, it's a very iconic movie, from what I understand. You've never seen it? No, never. Good Christ. We should be Dark Carpenter. We should, like, bang out the entire <laughs> fucking list. There's so many movies on the, there's... It's divided with like two thirds movies I really want to see and a third like oh movies. Right. So it's a, so it's like a big chunk you've seen and loved, right? Chunk you want to see and are excited for, and chunk you're terrified to see but need to see. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and apparently he has a discography. He's done some music. Yeah, he's done more recently he's done some music. But yeah, so back back to they live. So they live. Um, I can't. I will again say I can't express enough how awesome Roddy Piper is. And we have Keith David who was in the thing. He was in the thing, and he's done a lot of voice acting since then. And this part was written with Keith David in mind. Yeah, I believe Roddy Piper is also kind of involved. Keith? I'm surprised this wasn't in it. I guess because they'd already done the, the remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but this is sort of a... kind of a remake of it, in a way? In a way, yeah. I mean... And I've... You've, we've <laughs> seen the original. I haven't seen the original. I've only seen the remake. Really? Yeah. Why did it make you watch that? It's on, it's on the list. Oh, because oh, it's... Yeah, you could just, we could also just take stuff off a list. True. But the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers, I adore. And I can see... This is a different niche, but it's still a niche. This is... This is different. Where Invasion of the Body Snatchers is more like... The, the commies are out it's there. It's a fear element, yeah. This isn't a fear element. This is a... This is a... You're already... You're we're, already captured. We've lost. Yes. The war is over. Mm-hmm. And we don't know it. Exactly. You are a living slave race, and you don't even know it. And I just, like, there's so many... Oh, this is just a great movie. Between, like, 
they have this weird mix of poignance and action. It's poignance and, like, action can only be made then. Right, because, like, you have these weird, like, these weird points in the movie, like, they finally discover the other people who know the secrets. And it's just like, they get, it's like a video game. They get upgrades. Like, oh, okay, well, give me these glasses. Here's some contacts. They work better. and They work better, and you don't, and, you, and, then, and, you, and no one knows your are Right. We just got that shit, man. We're not even going to talk about how we might have figured any of this out. That's not important. <laughs> We've got nothing to tell the story. Right. Let's get this, yeah. It's not important how you develop tech. It's not important how the resistance was founded. That's not important. <laughs> they live the beginnings. <laughs> That is how you ruin this film. Yeah, you make it into a, a series. You, you make, yeah, you do a three-hour prequel. Even a mini-series would be bad. Yeah, and this is, you only need, this film doesn't dwell on anything, really. No. Like, it doesn't dwell on the aliens arriving, or right. how they took over, or anything like that. No, and it doesn't It doesn't deal with how they're going to be beaten, or whether they will. Yeah. It, it's left really ambiguous at the end. Absolutely. Because, like, the better part of your brain goes, well, they did conquer us initially, and... They can teleport. Surely they yeah. beat us. I mean, we don't know how they conquered us, right. but we know they kind of either infiltrated or saw, you know, it was probably a quiet invasion in that way. Absolutely. Obviously but, no one knows. But they're able to travel through space. Yeah. If they want the planet and they want us. How, how would we stop them? Yeah. And we're not left to dwell on that. That's not important. Yeah, the last thing you see is you see, you know, them have one of the, a person having sex with one of them. Mm-hmm. And then him being suddenly revealed. Right. And that's yeah. the end of the film. It is. And, like, the, the last scene of real poignance is Roddy Piper having destroyed their transmitter, which is allowing them to hide, and flipping them the bird. And, and that's it. So, yeah, the film doesn't dwell at any point. Not at all. And I, I think it's stronger because of it. Yeah, this film... is not important. It <laughs> happened. Yeah, this is, you know, we, we know the world, where the world is right now. We know what happened to the end. And honestly... It, if you want, if you pay enough attention, it's giving you some of these answers. Like that, they're they're trying to communicate to you. You know, like you, you know, when you feel run down, when you feel like, like you just can't get ahead. They're like, there's a reason, <laughs> and it's because you're being bombarded by all this, um, all this. That what is it? What do they call sub subliminal messages? Subliminal yeah. messaging and these frequencies. Yeah, that every TV is. Always sending out frequencies that everywhere. Right. And it's just so that's like that's that's all you need, really. Like you are subjugated people, this is why. It doesn't matter how it happened. What matters is where do you go from here? Yeah, the film sounds paranoid when we describe it this way. It is. But it's it is it is paranoid, it's like you kind of want to believe it. Yeah. And I love the way they do the the, the effect actually of the the Glasses World, mm-hmm. where that's all matte paintings, mm-hmm. to give it this sort of mm-hmm. unnatural look. And it is unnatural. It's it's difficult to look at it. Yeah. It was like, I was like, I was thinking for a while, how did they get it to look like an old film? Mm-hmm. It looks like an old film that way. Mm-hmm. And, and it was matte paintings. It's just, I think the first time where it was really like something where my my art actually started like, you know, entering into, oh, this might be like a, like some sort of suspense or thriller. Is he's wearing the glasses and he walks into a bank, I think. No, no, it was the, the supermarket. It was the supermarket. And the very, the first woman, like, puts up her wrist, talks into her uh, watch and says, I think we've got a, some, someone who can see. 
And I'm just like the the like the way she says it, like her body language on that. And it's really quite a frightening moment where you're like, oh shit, just, yeah. And I was like, oh, this could be, this could go a different way. That it's moving, but it, is, it still ends up being more of an action film. There isn't much, right? No. And I love well the, because for the next scene, it's him going into a bank and like just killing shit. every alien. But that's the oh, I love that part where it's just like he's going through town, murdering aliens, and. Every time he comes up to a person like that's trying to stop him that's human, he beats them down and says, fuck out of here. Yeah. Like, he refuses to kill humans. And I love that. That's that's amazing. But yeah, he never hurts a human being. It doesn't lose itself in being an action movie. First and foremost is the message. And then it's an action movie. Yeah, and, and it's this weirdly moral mm-hmm. hero, which you don't see often of a hero who's actually doing this in a thoughtful Absolutely. Way, but still, it's both thoughtful and impulsive the way he moves. Mm-hmm. But he, you know, he goes into a bank. It's not, it's not a, you know, it's, he's not thinking this out too much of. Right. He's just making sure he's just killing on aliens. Sure. And brings out the iconic line that we've all heard. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm here to chew bubble gum. <laughs> and kicks up ass. And I'm all out of bubble gum. And I'm just like, I listen to that, and I'm like, how the... That was the point where I'm like, how the fuck have I not seen this movie? I don't know, <laughs> but I think this is also the episode where we said fuck the most, actually. I don't, I don't keep count. I don't keep count, but I, I feel like I've been saying it more than usual. Just like, I, I'm, it's, I'm really exacerbated that it took me you know, this long in my life to watch this movie. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed myself to this one. Like, this should have... I should have seen this earlier. And then I'm like, well, what else am I missing? It's the Willy Wonka factory. <laughs> Like, what else is out there that's this poignant that I'm just missing? Because especially, like, they live, you look at the cover, and it just looks like a cheesy sci-fi piece. I was afraid it was going to be a zombie film. Looking at the cover, it's like, oh, this could easily just be a crap zombie movie. Right? Like, there's just no... The cover doesn't do a description. Like, the taglines do the film justice, but don't really help you to want to engage with it. And, the, I mean, taglines are never always the best. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's definitely done by marketing, and posters are usually... So, like, you look at it and you're like, oh, wow, that's super 80s. I mean, the movie, I don't know that I want to watch that. The movie is super 80s. It is, but it's just like, what was the last one we did where I'm just like, how did I never see this before? Forbidden Planet, maybe? No, we just watched something like a, like the last podcast, or maybe two ago. Rambo? Yeah, First, first Blood. Blood. We're just like, oh Yeah, this, this and First Blood, I feel like, are, 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 are a good pair of movies, actually. For, for poignant, poignant 80s action movies? Yeah, like, where you're just like, well, that's not what I thought This <laughs> belongs on a different shelf. <laughs> this belongs on the A-list shelf, clearly. No, definitely. And, I mean, I'm definitely going to keep my eye out on, like, a, a decent sale on, like, the Blu-ray or something. Because yeah. it's just so... It's so crazy good. And it's, like, it's good if you like 80s action movies. It's good if you like some, like, suspense or a little dystopian flavor. I mean, it essentially is a dystopia, though. It is. But it's a dystopia in the same way. Have you read um, Brave New World? No, I haven't. You should. I haven't seen it. That's one of those you should, like, everyone should, as far as, like, important, like, sci-fi of the 20th century. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, that's, Brave New World is sort of one of those films, one of those novels. That is sort of the other side of 1984, where it's the, a lot of the ideas that kind of went into paranoia Mm -hmm. came out of Brave New World, where it's, Society run through friend computer friend like like have people be happy 
Sure. And that's how that society runs. And that's essentially what this society is, that we will distract you while we do things. Mm-hmm. Right, like, make your money, make this god, this is what you should work for. Um, it did remind me of, I noticed that there's also, there's a C also, and I wonder, I just want to take a quick look. Alright, so Stephen King totally loved this movie. Uh, I'm not surprised. And the way I know this is because he writes a short story, Nightmares and Dreamscapes, that's always been one of my favorites, called The Ten O'Clock People. And its main character is a man who's trying to quit smoking and just can't quite. He's cutting down now. Mm -hmm. And he finds out really quickly that apparently there's a level of nicotine in your body, like too much, nothing. None, nothing. But a little nicotine in your body is just enough to bypass the like the post-hypnotic suggestion or subliminal things that basically these fly-headed people have taken over <laughs> and are like everywhere and have taken over the planet. And it's a very it's very much what feels like an homage to this movie. It sounds like it could yeah it could be your but um like and there's like I can easily like like Stephen King's the kind of guy where I've seen him like I feel like I can hang with it. I would love to see Stephen. I feel like I mean I think if we're just not both at their at their peak anymore, but like Stephen King and John Carpenter like would really do some damage together. Like well, we he, could go to a different reality. Did he do a Stephen King film at some point? Yeah, he did Christine. Christine, have you seen that? No, I haven't. Okay. And I'm not sure like that's really where I would have paired them, but but it's worth it's worth looking at. Yeah. Um, like, if they had made something together, like, truly just sat down and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like the people who have defined horror, they're in the top five at this right. point. That's what I would want to see, though. I want to see them both just put their heads together and write something together. Yeah. Not, like, interpret one or the other thing, which they do, and I'm sure they do it well. But, like, just, like, put their heads together and create something. Come on, talk up here. Your final project. Right? Like, what better thing to do than to, uh, to just call up Stephen King, who's also retired... Quote, unquote. <laughs> I think I thought there's more retired, though, than Stephen King is, where, like... Yeah, well, definitely. Like, I think he's at a point where, like, yep, I am done doing things, and you can sit here and enjoy my life with all these Halloween checks I keep getting. Yep, yeah, gonna whittle my wood and, uh... <laughs> and, just, cash, and cash his Halloween checks. Just start fire with my dollar bills. <laughs> I don't think he gets any money at Halloween. Mm-hmm. I think he got fucked out of money out of Halloween. Did he? Really? That's, that's tragic. I seem to believe, I seem to think that's true. But again, we're, we're, we're going off course. Well, I think, I honestly, I think we're kind of, like, do we have any questions about this? We actually didn't get any questions about this one. I, I'm just... All right. That means that many of you probably haven't watched this. And fix that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, go, go online. It's very available. I just last night rented it for $2.99 <laughs> and was able to watch it. Well worth it. Although hindsight says I should have just... Fuck, this for is ten bucks. I'd say go with go with the high end Blu-ray. High end being like, I think like a seventeen, eighteen normally, which means it's gonna go on. It goes on sale for probably about ten. Right. Not the time. I would definitely like like it's well worth buying. But even if you don't want to, even if you just want to see it once, go go stream it. It's no, it's no, there. You're, you're gonna you're gonna go and you're gonna like you like want to show it to your friends because that should be your first reaction after this film. Yes, it's. It, it, you not asking us questions to me means either you were busy in respect by Azumagadayo, sure, which might be because we got a ton of questions there. It's possible, or you haven't seen this movie and you have to see this movie. 
It's it is a must watch. It's definitely in my list. It's not a very long list for me, but it's in a list of why the fuck haven't I watched this movie? If if I if we were in podcasts and I watched this yesterday, my first reaction would have been to put on the Delph list and go, "Have you seen They Live?" Right. So and then maybe have like brought you the Blu-ray to watch. So watch it, please. Watch it. Talk about it. Think about it. Definitely, it's it's like we could have easily done another hour on it. Yeah, really, like sat down, talked about the themes, talked about how it did things. Absolutely, we didn't even really talk about the the choreography of the fight. The we fight touched choreography was so good. Oh my god, that was such a good fight. It was a great fight. Like, <laughs> like you think it's going on for too long? It's like no, these guys are really fighting. No, but yeah, this is this is like a, a real fight where like. It keeps going, and they're both big men. Yeah, and they're like they're they're duking it out. And they punish each other. Like <laughs> I kind of went to this uh, with something recent with that Bionic Ninja. We're like, no, no, this is how you do a fight scene, guys. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sick of CG. I want to see two dudes just fucking punching each other. Oh, and he was just so blatant about any time Roddy Piper got into a fight. It's just his wrestler was there, and like these broad sweeping punches. Broad sweep, like. Holds, pins, mm-hmm. lifting you up. And it kind of makes you want to watch wrestling. <laughs> if, it, if it looks that good, right. it makes you want to watch wrestling. But I think it's kind of like when you have to watch football at some point or some family gathering. Where it's like, man, that was a really good 30 seconds of them doing shit. Right. And now I got to sit here for another, what, half hour to do shit again? Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's, that's how I feel about football, at least. Yeah. It's like, man, if we could just have this, the game part, great. Right. <laughs> But um, what's next on the deck? Next up is another uh, classic, classic film from 1988, uh, Akira. Akira. So it's gonna be it's an interesting pairing of you know we're in the same year. Sure, and that's gonna be fantastic. And I predict predict that we will have a lot of questions about Akira. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen Akira, go buy go buy the Akira Blu-ray from Funimation.com. Because this is this is here for me. I'm relatively certain that you've seen, I've seen Akira. Akira to your blue in the face. I've seen Akira a few times, and I've read most of the manga. So like this is for me. I have not really seen any of that. No, it's so yeah. It's Ask us questions. Very interesting. I think it's a very interesting pairing of the two films. I, I look forward to, to being able to compare. Going to be an interesting counterpoint. Okay. 